Well, good morning. Good morning. Good to see you all today. Thank you so much for praying for the association, for praying for me in particular. Um, thank you so much for singing my favorite hymn. That last hymn is my favorite. Thank you all for that. Um, thank you all for being a part of the Faulkner Baptist Association. We are 30 churches strong. We have lost three churches over the last four years. That's a trend that we do not like. Um, we are in the process of trying to get some other things going. We are starting uh, a Hispanic uh, work uh, with Woodland Heights uh, in cooperation with them. Uh, so you all are partners with that as well. If you want more information about that, I'd be glad to talk with you about that. But they should be starting within the next month. Uh, we're getting their housing situation uh, straightened out. And so Brother Norberto Gutierrez and his wife Patricia will be uh, here with us in the association. So we're excited about that. So a lot of good things are happening in camp, uh, things in the association. Uh, one of our pastors, um, Brother Steve Stevens of Southside Baptist Church, lost his wife last weekend um, to COVID complications. She also was fighting cancer. And so her immunity was weak and uh, COVID got her. Uh, so uh, be in prayer for them. This will be his first Sunday. That's where I was last week. Uh, she died last Sunday morning. And uh, so be in prayer for them today as I know that you pray for all of our churches. I know that because Nathan tells me. Let me also thank you all uh, for loving him, uh, for receiving him and accepting him and uh, involving him in the work. I would say that to you um, as you love any new pastor that comes in, but it means especially uh, a lot to me and to my wife as, uh, of course, he's my son. I tried to put his uh, microphone thing on my head, uh, and his head is not my head, and so I couldn't get it to work right. And so today I'll be, uh, I'll be staying here pretty close to the pulpit. Today we're looking at Mark chapter 4. I know that you all have been going through the book of Mark. Mark is, by and large, a... Uh, a book of action. It, it follows Jesus uh, as, as he does things, verb kind of things, all the way through the gospel. But we are in a section here uh, where Jesus is doing some teaching. And so it's a little bit different than some of the rest of the book is. And uh, so I'm glad that we are here with Mark chapter 4. When I read this text, it always reminds me of an occasion that happened back when I was a teenager. Uh, we had moved to Arkansas from Michigan. We had bought some land, 40 acres of land. Eventually, we were able to buy 40 more, and then 40 more that adjoined it. We had 140 acres up in Stone County, Arkansas. They have five inches of snow today. Uh, we have zero. Um, and uh, so, so I can remember when we moved there, Dad was wanting to uh, make a, a part of the, uh, the field adjacent to our house into a garden. And so he tasked us. We moved there in the summer. My brother and I uh, were tasked with the job of uh, picking up all of the rocks in that garden area. We moved here from Michigan, where we didn't know if there was a rock, to Arkansas, where evidently that's all there are, are rocks. And so every day, my brother and I would go out and uh, he had kind of plowed up this area for the garden, and then we went out and picked up rocks every day. Uh, what seemed like all day long. I'm sure it wasn't nearly that bad, but it seemed like it. At the end of the week then, when Dad got off work on Friday, on Saturday morning, he, uh, he hooked up the plow again, a, a plow that had deep fingers in the plow that dug deep into the ground, and he went over that whole ground again. And we went back out to that place, and it looked like we had not done a thing. 
There were rocks everywhere in that garden. And so we were whining, griping, whatever you want to call it. Dad wasn't thrilled with either one of them. Uh, but we worked that whole week as well and got what we thought was all of the rocks. The next Saturday, Dad went out, hooked up the plow to the tractor, went over that same plot of ground, digging deep with those tines of the plow. And when he got done, we walked out into the dirt and it looked like we had not done a thing. And now we weren't just whining or griping. Now we were really ticked. We were mad. And um, so, so that evening, we went to uh, one of my uncle's uh, house, and, and Dad was talking to him. They were kind of laughing about these two whiny kids that were complaining, these two whiny. Uh, I was probably 13. My brother was 10. Complaining that we had to go out and pick out rocks in, in the garden. And my uncle and my dad, they were having a big laugh about it. And then my uncle, uh, you know, we were feeling crummy anyway. And then my uncle said, he said, you know, though, he said that, you know, we used to have a deal like that, and he said, but it, it, you can get them all eventually. But he said, if you start hooking up that, you know, one of those plows that had those deep fingers in and start plowing up the dirt with that, he said, you'll never get all the rocks out if that's what you're going to do. And I just looked at my dad, and my brother looked at my dad, and my dad looked at us, and then it kind of flipped. Then my uncle was on our side, and we were talking about the impossibility of trying to clean up the ground that he was trying to make into a garden. It takes a lot of work to make good soil. And that's really what this parable is about. Let's take a look in Mark chapter 4, starting to read with verse 1. And, and again, Jesus began to teach by the sea. Now, it says there again, it's referring back to a text I know you all have already looked at back in chapter 3, starting with verse 7, where the same kind of thing happened. A great multitude was gathered to Jesus so that he got into a boat. He sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. Then Jesus taught them many things by parables and said to them in his teaching. So, so he taught them many parables, and then he began to explain to them this parable, which was given in a way to explain why he taught in parables and how they could learn from parables. So this, was, this parable that we're looking at now was a teaching about parables and that he had already shared with them already. So uh, verse 3, listen. Behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because, because it, has, it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up and it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed, this is now the fourth seed that he describes, fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And Jesus said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. But when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. Now, evidently the apostles weren't the ones asking about the parable. Some of the, the other disciples that were aware with the apostles were asking. We don't know if the apostles figured it out or maybe they were just reluctant to ask. But thankfully, somebody asked Jesus the question about the parable. And Jesus said to them, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So that seeing they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, 
lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. And Jesus said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? In other words, Jesus said, If, if you guys can't figure this one out, you're not going to figure out any of them. This one is about as plain as it can possibly be. This is one of those parables. In fact, this parable is one of the few that we have in the Gospels that Jesus speaks the parable and then actually interprets, interprets it for us. But it's, it's possibly one of the easiest parables to try to figure out. And I'm thankful that Nathan gave me this passage of Scripture that is among maybe some of the easiest <laughs> in the Gospels to try to figure out what it is that, he, that he's saying. This, he, says, he says, the sower sows the word. There are ones by the wayside when the word is sown. When, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. There are those sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves, and so they endure only for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Now there are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the desires for other things, enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And there are the ones sown on stony ground, on, on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. This parable is one of the few that Jesus interprets for us. He speaks the parable, he interprets the parable, he does everything really except apply the parable, and I guess that's the job of preachers, and so that's what we'll do today. This parable is often called the, the parable of the sower. In fact, my Bible has that as a heading over that section, the parable of the sower. It's actually, though, a, a parable of the soils. It speaks more about the dirt than it, was, than it does the one who is sowing into the dirt. It is a, a, a parable of the soils. I want you to picture a farmer who's sowing seeds, and as he's walking through the field, he's tossing seed to the right, and he's tossing seed to the left. Three-fourths of the seed that he sows never produces all the way to harvest. Why is that? Was there a problem with the seed? Was, the, was there something faulty with the seed? No. In fact, Jesus says the seed represents the word of God, and we know that there's nothing wrong with the Bible. If a person doesn't get saved, it's not the Bible's fault. The Bible tells people how to get saved, there isn't anything wrong with the seed. So maybe there was a problem with the sower. No, there wasn't a, a problem with the sower. The sower faithfully sowed the seeds. In fact, he was as faithful to sow the seeds by the wayside as he was over the tilled ground. We might would even say that he was careless in the way that he sowed the seeds. He threw good seed on pathways that were hard. He threw good seed on rocky ground that was adjacent to the, to, the, to the field that he was sowing in. He threw good seed into thorny spots. Everywhere he went, he threw good seed. There wasn't anything wrong with the seed. There wasn't anything wrong with the sower, but there was something wrong, Jesus says. Same seed 
sowed by the same sower, but in different soils, Jesus says. Some seed fell on the hard-packed path, and it just lay there on top of the ground. It didn't soak into the ground. It wasn't allowed to go deep into the ground, take root in the ground. It lay on top of the ground because it was a, a, a hard-packed path, hard ground. And the birds came, he said, and picked it up and ate it. It was like tossing bird seed onto concrete. He said some seed fell in rocky ground. And because it was rocky ground, it couldn't really take root. It quickly sprouted up straight and tall and it looked good. But when the sun began to scorch hot, it withered and it died and it scorched in the heat of the sun. He said some seed fell among thorn bushes and into weedy areas. And it was allowed to grow there along with the weeds and the thorns until it was eventually choked out by everything else that was growing around it. But some seed fell into good soil, soft soil, prepared and ready soil, and it produced much more than it had started with. The point is, same sower, same seed, but different soils. So let's focus today, if we can, on the soils. Let's see if we can imagine to ourselves, if, if, if Christ were to describe the soil of our heart, how ready our heart is, how ready we are to, to hear and to, to take what it is that he's giving to us, how would he describe us today? Jesus said that hard soil is like hard hearts. Some people have hard hearts. When the good news of Jesus Christ is preached or when they, they read the gospel and the scriptures, it falls on a hard heart. And Satan comes and snatches it away. I pastored for 33 years before I became your director of missions with the Faulkner Baptist Association. And I know that there were a lot of sermons that I preached, a lot of texts that I read that people heard at 11.45 a.m. But by 12.15 p.m. it was already gone. It was like Satan had come and because they didn't listen, they heard it, but they didn't really listen to it. And they didn't think about it and they didn't allow God's word to sink deep into their hearts. So it just kind of stayed there on the surface because they were already thinking about the ball game they were going to watch when they got home. They were already thinking about the, the meal they were going to eat in, in just a few minutes. They were already thinking about the work that they had ahead and their, their mind had wandered to other things. And, and because their hearts were not soft, it just kind of sat there on the surface. And it wasn't long before Satan came and just kind of took it away. And it was almost like they never heard it at all. It's difficult for God's word to impact a hard heart. Jesus said a hard soil is like a hard heart. But he also said a shallow soil is like shallow hearts. Some people have shallow hearts. They live life on the surface. Everything for them is emotional. 
When things are bad, they're very, very bad. And when things are good, they're very, very good. And they can get excited at the drop of a hat. And so when the music is great and the preaching is great and everybody's happy, they get caught up in the moment and they may walk an aisle. They may make some kind of a, deci a decision of some kind, but it doesn't really change their life. It doesn't really impact who they are. It's just kind of a, an emotional decision. It's a shallow decision. People with shallow hearts are told about the gospel. Most of them do begin to grow and, and rather quickly. They get excited. I'll volunteer for this. I'll, I'll volunteer for that. I'll do this and I'll do that. And they're all excited about everything that's happening in their life, but they don't have any roots. They never took the time to get to know God personally. They're so focused on learning about God, they don't get to know God. So when the going gets tough and when the sun gets hot, they quit because shallow soil is like shallow hearts. You all know somebody, I'm sure, if, if you're not ready to admit that you're hard-hearted, you know certainly somebody who is. You all know somebody, I'm sure, who who would be considered a shallow heart, somebody who gets excited pretty easy. You could look back over the history of this church. People who might have come in and might have been like a, a roaring tornado for a little while. They were a part of everything that was happening until all of a sudden they were gone. Shallow hearts are like shallow soil. But Jesus also describes overcrowded soil. It's like overcrowded hearts. Some people have overcrowded hearts. When Jesus tells the parable, I noticed that the thorns were already there when the seed was sown. It wasn't like he planted the seed and planted the thorns and planted the weeds. The thorns and the weeds were already there. And he planted the good seed there among the thorns and the weeds. The thorns were there throughout the whole process. And as the good seed began to grow... When it became time for it to begin producing fruit, it couldn't because it was choked out. There was just too much other stuff going on around it. I think this overcrowded soil describes most Christians today. I think that's where most believers live, is in this overcrowded area. I think that's why this group bothers me more than the other groups do. I'm not sure the first two soils were ever saved in the first place. Those with hard hearts, those with shallow hearts, I'm not sure they were ever saved in the first place. It's not for me to judge. I'm just not sure that they ever made a decision to actually trust Christ in, in everything that was happening and begin to walk with Him and live with Him and have a relationship with Him. I'm not sure that these first two soils described one who was ever saved in the first place. The fourth one, though, I, I'm, I know it does. It describes one who is obviously saved, one who allows the, the word of God to penetrate deep within them and make a difference in their lives. And, and it impacts their decisions, the words that they say and the, the thoughts that they think and the things that they do and the places that they go. These are representative of, of people who are obviously saved. But this third group, 
This, this group that's just kind of in between, kind of wishy-washy, good seed, but choked out by, by life around them, and they can't figure out whether to hang on to life or hang on to Christ, I think that's where most of us are. I think that's where most believers live. What are these thorns that, that Jesus is talking about when he talks about the thorns? Well, as any good preacher, Jesus actually tells us what it is that he's talking about. He he applies these thorns. He describes these thorns to real life. He said, he said there are three of these kind of thorns that I'm talking about. One is the cares of the world, worry. In fact, the word worry comes from an old German word, worgen, which means to choke because that's what worry does. If you're worried about what's going to happen next week, if you're worried about what's going to happen tomorrow, if you're worried about whether you're going to get COVID or not, if you're worried about, about your retirement, if you're worried about the next doctor's appointment, if you're worried about all those things, all that's doing is choking the joy out of today. Because a lot of that you're not going to be able to impact anyway. A lot of the things we worry about never come to pass, and even if they did come to pass, we couldn't change it if it did. So we have to trust God, we have to trust Christ, and we have to move on with life. Because to worry is to choke the joy out of today. To choke life and living out of today. Jesus said some of those thorns are the cares of the world. He also said some of those thorns are the deceitfulness of riches. Thinking more about money and more about stuff, things that we think will make us happy. When God calls us to do, we think instead about all the, all the things we could buy and all the things, the other things that we could do and, and all the joy that we could have. We're focused more on the weekend than we are about Sunday and time spent with Him. The deceitfulness of riches. But also the desire for something else, the third thorn Jesus describes. Being discontented, pushing and straining and stretching and reaching for a better job, for a better life, for a better home, for a better wife, for a better car, for a better husband. Something that always seems just out of reach. We're unhappy, we're frustrated, we're discontented. So the good seed can't do in us what needs to be done because our mind's going a thousand miles an hour planning for what we're going to do next. Hard soil is like hard hearts. Shallow soil is like shallow hearts. Overcrowded soil is like overcrowded hearts. But ready soil is like ready hearts. Some people have ready hearts. How are hearts made ready? The same way that soil is made ready. You know how it is. You know you've got to go out, go out and you've got to do the work before you possibly even buy the seed. Before you even know what's going to be planted row by row. Before you even know or know when you're going to plant, what you're going to plant. You go and you prepare the soil. Because if the work's not done ahead of time, the, the garden is not going to produce as the garden ought to produce. If the work is not prepared, the harvest is not going to produce. We know that when it comes to gardening. The same thing is true with the gospel. 
When we come together to worship on a Sunday morning, I hope we're doing more than just putting on our clothes, eating a little bowl of oatmeal, and coming together to sit for an hour and a half. Are we doing the work required there so that God can do what needs to be done here? Are we preparing our hearts there for what God might have to say for us and to us here? Ready soil is like ready hearts. So how are hearts made ready? It's prepared. It's soft. It's not trampled on. It's deep. It's not shallow. It's clean. It's not weedy or thorny. It's ready. That's the only soil in which the seed can grow well. We wonder, why is it that the gospel doesn't seem to stick with some people? Because it takes some work on our end. How ready are we to receive what God has for us? In ready soil, the seed is not stolen. The seed is not starved. The seed is not suffocated. The seed is allowed to take root and grow and make a difference in our lives. Farmers who don't understand this whole thing about the soils, they're going to get discouraged real quick when it comes to farming. I'm one of those guys. I've got a little 12 by 12 little area in my backyard. And every year, the tomatoes grow. That's about all we plant is tomatoes. And the tomatoes grow, and I've got yellow blossoms everywhere. And then all I get is about a million cherry tomatoes. I can't get the big ones to grow to save my life. All I get, and I think cherry tomatoes would grow anywhere. I think you could throw cherry tomatoes on a parking lot and they grow. There's no skill in growing a cherry tomato. But I can't get the big ones to grow to save my life. And so every year I try something different. My wife is always telling me, you know, that one year you burnt a, a pile of uh, a brush and stuff there, and maybe some of the ashes and the leaves, they soaked down in the dirt, and it, it made the dirt. So next year I'm piling a bunch of stuff out there, and I do, and it doesn't do it. I think part of it is that I planted it in the shade of a shed, and so it only gets about a half hour of sun a day. I think that's a big part of what it is. But I keep hoping I can do something to the soil that's going to make a difference. Because farmers who don't understand this whole thing about the soils, they get discouraged in farming. I think the same thing is true about believers. I think the same thing is true about Christians. We don't understand this whole thing about the soils, and so we get frustrated. Two things I want to share with you, and then we're going to be finished. I think sometimes people get frustrated when they're sharing the gospel because they don't understand this thing about the soils. You might get nervous when you try to share the gospel. You might get discouraged when you try to share the gospel. But maybe you need to understand this. Maybe you need to understand that the sower doesn't prejudge the soils. The sower just tosses the seed. Everywhere he goes, he tosses the seed. He doesn't try to determine beforehand which soil is going to be the good soil, which soil is going to respond. He just tosses the seed. We can't always tell by looking at somebody, whether they've got hard soil or shallow soil or rocky soil or thorny soil or good soil. So your job and my job, it's just to sow the seed. It's just to share the gospel. Everywhere we go is to tell others about Jesus. It's not up to us to prejudge the soils. So let's share the gospel with everyone we meet. Along that same line, we need to remember the success is up to God. 
I can be as eloquent as I can possibly try to be. I can be as good looking as I can possibly try to be. I can be as charismatic as I can possibly try to be. I can jive with them on all the things that we have in common. All of that can happen, and still, they might not allow the gospel to penetrate their hearts. The success is up to God. We can't take credit for any of the success. You know that, right? It's all God. So if we can't take credit for any of the success, we also can't beat ourselves up for any of the disappointments. Yeah, there's sometimes we say stupid stuff, and there's sometimes we, we do crazy things, and there's sometimes we should have said this instead of saying that. We can all get better at sharing the gospel, but the success is up to God. If we're doing God's work God's way, we can be assured of God's help. He'll be there, and he'll help us. Along that same line, we're not called to be successful. We're just called to be faithful. God didn't call you to be successful. He called you to be obedient. He called you to be faithful. We're supposed to aim for a harvest. But let's just keep throwing seed regardless. So I think sometimes we get frustrated when we're sharing the gospel. I think the other way that sometimes we get frustrated is, is that I think, I think they'll get frustrated when they're hearing the gospel. Some people get frustrated because they're not making the progress in their Christian walk that they think they ought to be making. They don't know as much as they think they ought to know. They don't, they don't know the books of the Bible yet. They don't know what's in the Old Testament, what's in the New Testament yet. They don't know what some of the words in the Bible mean. They, they don't know some of the, the church language that we use in all of our churches, which, by the way, we ought to do a better job of talking in a way that anybody can understand it, not just the inside crowd. I think sometimes we get frustrated because we're not growing as fast as we think we ought to be growing. But, but maybe it's because our soil is not ready. Let me ask you a few questions. Is your heart too hard for the gospel to make an impression? Have you gotten so calloused with life, so calloused with the routine, you know what's going to happen every Sunday. You know who's going to say what. You know what songs are going to be sung. So you're just kind of like punching a clock, right? You walk in, you punch it, you walk out, you punch it, and you hope at the end of time that God gives you some kind of credit because you were here every time the doors were open. That's not necessarily what it's all about. We don't come every time the doors are open. Because that's what gets us closer to God. Because we're closer to God, we come every time the doors are open. Sometimes we get the cart before the horse, and we think that somehow by, by jumping through all the hoops, by doing all the things, by volunteering for all the stuff, that somehow we're going to get brownie points when we get to heaven, and we might get to sit closer to Jesus when we get there. No, we just please Him. We're just faithful to Him. We're just obedient to Him. And we leave the rest to Him. Is your heart too hard for the gospel to make an impression? Is your heart too shallow for the gospel to take root? Are you pausing long enough to think about what you're hearing? 
Are you praying, God, I just heard it. Now help me to understand it. Help me to apply it and help that to make a difference in my life. Is your heart too shallow for the gospel to take root? Or is your heart too crowded? Too many other interests for the gospel to find room, to grow strong. Because you're trying to do a thousand things okay instead of just three things really good. Or is it that your heart is humble and ready? It's a prepared soil. You've tilled the soil of your heart, even today. So it's ready for what God wants to do in you and with you and through you. Here would be a pretty good prayer for you to pray. And if you want to pray along with me, you can. God, ready my heart today. Prepare my heart today. Do what you need to do so my heart can receive what you have for me. That would be a pretty good prayer to pray every morning before you open your Bible. That would be a pretty good prayer to pray every Sunday morning before you come to church. That would be a pretty good prayer to pray Every time you're about to have a conversation with someone else about Jesus, that would be a pretty good prayer today. God, ready my heart today. Do what you need to do so that my heart can receive everything you have for me. So here's where we at. This is the time of the service that's a time of response. It's a time for you to ask yourself some questions, questions that I can't ask of you, questions that I can't ask to you, the questions you can ask of yourself. God, do I have a hard heart? If I have a hard heart, God, I'm asking you to, to start to soften that so that I can receive what you have for me. Do I have a shallow heart, God? Am I taking the time for your word to penetrate deep within me so it can make the changes that it needs to make in my life? Do I have a, a, a crowded heart, God? Do I have too many things going on in my life? And I need to set some of those things aside so I have more time for you. More time to follow you. More time to be like you. Or do I have a ready heart, God? Is my heart ready to receive what you have for me? And if I do, God, if I do have a ready heart, then God, I, I pray that you'll begin to do in me the things that only you can do. Things will, that will be for my benefit, but more than that, will allow me to help make a difference in the lives of those around me. During our time of invitation this morning, it may be that you have heard this text this morning and you realize that, that you possibly have never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If that's the case, I want to talk with you. Let's see if we can't figure out better how you can understand what it means for you to be saved. It may be that you need to follow in some kind of a commitment 
baptism, joining this church. Some kind of a commitment to, to service, missions, ministry. Or it may be simply that you feel like you need to come to this altar and ask God to reveal to you what kind of a heart you have so that he can do in you what only he can do in you. Let's stand together as we pray.